70% of the future growth will come from platforms. And that's indeed uh, mainly driven by the big uh, retail platforms. And when we talk retail, we'll talk in a second. It's not purely retail anymore. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics they talk, we listen. guest today. She is a thought leader on tech, blockchain and the metaverse. She has extensive experience on the platform economy, dynamic ecosystems, digital solutions and customer journey. Having spent a number of years in C-suite positions within well-known institutions, she'll be a great addition to this new series. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. My name's Chrissy. I'm co-founder and chief mixologist at Bird and Blend Tico. I know Elaine loves our tea and makes weekly recommendations to you so you can enjoy whilst listening to this fabulous podcast. We're an eco-conscious, independent, people-focused and award-winning tea mixology company on a mission to spread happiness and reimagine tea. We now have 14 stores across the UK and over 100 blends to choose from. So there's something for everyone. From our traditional Great British Cuppa and Builder's Breakfast Brew to fun flavours like chocolate digestives, rhubarb and custard and strawberry lemonade, you'll be sure to discover the perfect cuppa for you check us out online you can take our tea matching quiz it's www.birdandblendtea.com and it'll find the right tea for you or please do pop into one of our stores and meet some of the team and they will help you out thanks for your time and i hope you enjoy the podcast let's talk podcast with your host elaine pringle schwitter i am giselle riffer the creator of the lance a unique watch for women, a symbol of recognition for women who want to make the world a better place for all. Delance.com Let's Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Dr. Martha Boekenfeld sits on many boards and is currently a member of the advisory board for Gen2, an investment firm focused on making assets, bankable, investable, and manageable. Prior to this, Martha has had extensive international exposure and more than 20 years experience in executive or C-suite positions in private banking and financial institutions, such as UBS, UniCredit, Generale, Kleinworth Benson, and AXA. Passionate about platform culture, digital business, digital transformation, and customer experience, she's a regular on the speaking circuit and is often sought after to provide expert knowledge in many debates. Yes, I am looking forward to this conversation today on this new series of Heads Talk. Let's get into it this now. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Martha to Heads Talk. Many thanks for being with us today. Yeah, hello, Ellen. I'm super, super excited to, to talk about uh, what's really my passion, yes. platforms and beyond. I'm equally super excited and happy that you're here today. Okay, let's kickstart this episode with, as you mentioned, your passion platforms and platform ecosystems. I want to ask a question on retail e-commerce platforms, if I may. Firstly, give my listeners a brief overview of the retail platform landscape. Who's leading in this space and why? 
Yeah, and perhaps uh, if I may, to put this into perspective also in, into the platform world, yeah. what I find quite uh, uh, interesting and also um, for some it might be super surprising is that the World Economic Forum in one of their reports said that 70% of the future growth will come from platforms. And that's indeed uh, mainly driven by the big uh, retail platforms. And when we talk retail, we'll talk in a second. It's not purely retail anymore. Mm. Um, so we have now the biggest capitalized companies out of the 10, seven stocks indeed are platforms. Uh, they are now called, interesting enough, no, no longer Fanger for the experts. They're called Mad Men. Mm -hmm. um, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, Tesla, Meter, Amazon, and NVIDIA. So certainly the most successful, as we all know, is Amazon uh, with their retail platform. And as I mentioned before, it's not only about retail, it's much more. So what is this much more? So since 1994, we talk about Amazonification mm. of industries. So every time Amazon, and we all know the history where they come from, enters into a new market, this market are in terms of the other players, so, so you can say the legacy players, their stock drops. So let's take an example what also in terms of what recently happened, not only with Amazon, but with other retail platforms like uh, Shopify and the other big one is Alibaba. Um, what happened there is that due to COVID-19, we have seen that customers are getting more online, more digital. And it's the first time that really customers also connected in terms of their health and wellness experience. So we have uh, seen that 70%, uh, for example, in the US of consumers use the mobile app to manage a part of their health and wellness experience. So why you might think, so why is she now talking about health and wellness, what this has to do with, with, uh, with healthcare and the retail and how it's all connected. So the platforms who are very advanced are trying to connect the retail and everything else in the, your life mm -hmm. with what matters in your life. And what we have all seen in COVID-19 is what matters most to us is indeed our, our health. Mm -hmm. So for uh, the big platforms like Apple and also Amazon, they went into health. And into health in terms of you can first time go and online buy drugs uh, from obviously with, with a relevant prescription, but also what we have seen that pharmacy retailer, for example, Walgreens, they're partnered with a retail store, uh, which is called Village MD, to offer full service doctor offices across the United States in person, but also in telehealth care. Mm -hmm. So we see that there is a big shift in terms of what the customer demand is, and there's no longer this product by product by product. So mm -hmm. even what it also means in reflection for retail investors like Amazon, and they have discovered this very early, they want to be part of your life. Mm. So, but how would you compare the operations of Amazon to that of Alibaba? Yeah, I would say that on the surface, uh, we talk about it in the same way about them. But if you take just one step further, they are extremely different. Um, so let's first look, obviously, at the history. Alibaba is a little bit younger. They have different, uh, different really are CEOs. 
if you count uh, Jeff Bezos, who is retired still as a CEO, but as a brain behind it and Jack Maher. But in terms of also the needs, what they cover is very, very different. So the target audience for Amazon coming also from the history of where they sold the books is always the direct customer. So it's really a business to direct customer and they want to solve the needs of any customer. So they have a lot of applications they offer and we all know that from our daily life, which are around the direct customer. In China, it's quite different because there, there was a huge problem, not only with the customer, but in the first instance, with all these little Chinese shops, which are across the entire country, they didn't even have any banking. They have all these tiny shops, they have no AI, they have no logistics, they have nothing. And therefore, also what Alibaba does is not focusing directly on the uh, on the customer so on the direct customer but their customer is the seller mm. and that's very different not only from a philosophical point of view but also has consequences uh, for example for the fees mm -hmm. so amazon charges a lot to the seller in the online stores and does the entire logistics so they had to build up a huge infrastructure and there are some reports which really detail out why amazon has much much higher revenues their profitability is much lower because they have to invest in all this infrastructure, mm -hmm. which basically Alibaba doesn't do because they enable the sellers to yep. sell online and that's for free on the Taobao um, platform, on the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And then if you also look at the different revenue sources, it's quite interesting because as we know, Amazon offers online and offline stores themselves and also from a product perspective, they are competing with uh, products they have from other sellers. That's a no-go for, for Alibaba, for example. And they also have big, big online streaming service. Uh, needless to say that also Alibaba has started with the online streaming service, but it's not yet as far. Uh, so there are certain parallels, but there are part of the business model, very, very different directions they take. Mm -hmm. And the other platform I find very interesting also in terms of growth, is Shopify because Shopify again is uh, focusing on the seller side but is also giving them all they need but they don't own the customer whilst Alibaba owns the customer and also has a big leverage in terms of their sellers as as we know first of with the competing products they offer but also with a lot of other things. So for some of the sellers, it's very difficult to deal with Amazon because Amazon is basically outpricing them. And that's not what Shopify does. And if you also look at Shopify in terms of innovation, uh, normally Amazon is very far ahead, but you can also see with Shopify, they have already augmented reality. They work with NFTs. Mm -hmm. So they are again, further ahead. The other one in that retail space is Square. Another very interesting one because Jack Dorsey is a CEO. It's now called Block. Mm -hmm. And he was first laughed at when he started his business um, you can say years ago, because he didn't start with what the customer experience per se is. He started again with the merchants. And the square, the name came from a little square, which he, he provided to the merchants to sell. Uh, so in some countries, it's like sum up where you directly, as any merchant, as uh, someone who sells flowers, 
can now use this for uh, working with a credit card. And that was very new. And only recently, Apple now has said that also want to provide for this function. And on, on top of that, he created a whole ecosystem for the merchant and now also for the customer. So he has a cash, cash app, he has crypto, but for the merchant, he offers not only this facility of payment, he offers payroll, he helps with HR administration. So there are all very different concepts. And I strongly believe looking also at the growth of, of Spotify, the growth is much, much faster in the retail space than Amazon and Amazon already looks at them, I think, as serious comp competition as always, they looked at them a little bit um, skeptical, but now as they can see how it's all built up mm -hmm. and where they're going in, in particular on the customer side, they, since they have crypto, they have a cash app, they are much further ahead than Amazon in that space, okay. ignoring the other new, I mean, which are not retail related directly, the, the um, web service, cloud services they offer and so on and so forth. Um, before we move on to the next um, part of this question, I, I wanted to ask, because based on what you've said, you know, in the age of collaboration and, um, you know, working together, do you think Amazon um, competing with their sellers and offering a lower price is a dangerous move for them going forward, continuing to go forward? I think this is an excellent point, because my personal view is so far, there was no alternative to Amazon. Also in terms of, as you just said, in terms of where can they place bad. Mm -hmm. So with Shopify is different, but having said that, what Amazon offers, again, different from Shopify, you have already a brand name. Mm -hmm. So you publish on Amazon, you know, you don't have to worry about infrastructure. You don't have to worry about marketing. This is now different with Shopify because they help you with the marketing, but you do it yourself, but they don't have a brand name in Canada more than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of time. And as we have seen with platforms and exponential growth, it will grow fast. And if you see fast growth, it will happen. So my personal view is that you are exactly right, that this is not a sustainable model. But we have also seen that Amazon can move fast in the way that they also change models that they disrupt themselves. So it could be very well one of the options they consider in the future, but right now they're earning so high margins on this. So why should they change? Mm -hmm. Well, I suppose they are commercial chameleons. So I suspect when they see that's no longer working, they will move on. Okay, in our preliminary conversations, you talked about uh, the customer experience drive, and you mentioned it again here, being very seamless, you know, entertaining, a one-stop shop you talked about, it, people getting their health, getting their, their insurance, getting their retail. Can you talk to my listeners about that and the example of Nikeverse? Yeah, that's a, actually the, the most important that you are really, really focusing on the customer experience. And what's very important, so Steve Jobs already said this, several times. So what was the key to his success? Focus first on the customer experience and then you think about technology. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about how you create value. And what you do is you first start obviously with your core. So in the case of Nike, your core is selling shoes. So that's not so 
uh, that's what everyone loves, the shoes of Nike. But they also again discovered that it's that this is only part of the life. And where do uh, do people use the shoes? They use the shoes in training clubs. So they even have a training club app. For, they offer personalized workouts. They do weekly challenges. They have nutrition tips because uh, it's not only the sports; it also ventures into the health. And recently, what I find really interesting and which is again revealing because you can see that strong brands travel. Mm -hmm. So they also travel into the metaverse. So Nike is one of the firms which acted very quickly. They are now in the metaverse and it's not just with a brand, here we are, but yep. they have teamed up with a specialist company who does the virtual sneakers. They have not only teamed up, they actually bought them as one of the options you can obviously have. They had one of the best virtual sneakers and now you can say, why do I need a virtual sneaker? But what they do is also they have a, a kind of club around it so you can get a special sneaker also in reality, other benefits, club benefits, and they have a little bit of gaming. And what I found the most exciting, they have a real store where as usual, or you would say usually in the real store, you do the real world, but what they have done in the real store, they have done a recreation of the virtual world, which mm -hmm. they have on one of the platforms and it's mirroring. So you have an immersion of the, basically the real and the virtual world, very, very nicely done. Uh, you always have the same interaction points. You can say you have it seamless, but this is just the beginning. But they only started end of last year. And again, they're one of the fastest growing. Mm -hmm. They are, have already 7 million customers. Okay. And that's due to the fact that they offer those customers a bunch of different experiences, which are geared specifically to people who are obviously already quite virtual, who are more in the gaming space, but want to have something beyond gaming. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I and mean, you're getting a, a sort of a taste of what's to come. This this next question, um, I really want an answer to it, but not sure that my phrasing is sufficient to get the answer I'm looking for. Uh, but I have absolute faith in you, Martha. Um, it, it's about the morphing of CRM solutions. Um, we talked about this in my preliminary conversation. Um, how have the big CRM solution providers, you know, such as uh, Salesforce, you know, HubSpot CRM, SAP, etc., fared during this change? What are they doing to help their retail clients, because um, we're sort of retail theme at the moment, through this transition in industry? Um, we know the, the, the CRM solutions of the past. How are they adapting to the now, to the world we're living in, and preparing for the future? This is also a super question, and maybe I um, disappoint you, but maybe I'm <laughs> I don't disappoint you. <laughs> because uh, the one was really uh, the best, I would say, track record so far, just also from the facts of Salesforce. I mean, they're number one, but they're also number one for a reason, because they never stop, mm -hmm. and uh, they don't uh, take no for an answer, you can say. Yeah, so what have they done? Um, they have done what you do in ecosystems. Are, they do a lot of new innovations and they do a lot of uh, partnerships. So to make experiences better. So what they have done recently in terms of partnerships, they have added PayPal at the checkout for Salesforce payments. 
And certainly by adding PayPal to that checkout experience, everything is very simple. Uh, brands using Salesforce payments now have even more option to reduce this friction. So again, it's seamless experience. Mm. And what they also have done, they have built a commercial cloud, again, with a partner, which maybe not everyone knows. Um, it's called ISF Partner, except Centium. And this is a digital portal for wholesale apparel and fashion companies which support pre-season ordering. And again, in organizing this, the in-season resupply, you have fully automated interaction across self-service and sales teams. So that is just on the partnership. Uh, but if you continue that, they working with Alibaba. Uh, and what on top of this, apart from that, what I find interesting is that they have personalized marketing commerce experience so we know all the biggest challenge for most of them but i think it was the right decision we have a cookie-less world mm -hmm. so what can you really do if you can't use cookies and they found something which is called the datarama tableau which features um, certain data it helps companies to connect to visualize uh, all the data which they get from the uh, different channels, because also companies, I mean, banks anyway, but retail companies underestimate all the data that can still collect without using cookies. And then to make sense of them, they have really created nice dashboards, but this is all again and again development. And for me, what is top notch, the most important with all platform and ecosystems to drive innovation is not that you do it only yourself. Yeah. Um, so they have created something and you, we have, I think you have seen that before in one of my talks, I uh, did refer to Lego with the Lego ideas. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, what Salesforce has done, they have also done something similar that they go to the customers very actively and involve them with feedback. So customers not only get feedback, but they can raise ideas. What is important for them? And they have a special system how to cater for that, similar to, to Lego. Yeah? It's not as Lego mm -hmm. where you vote on it from other customers, but they really take it very, very uh, seriously. And I think this is very, very important when you talk about platform, ecosystem, mm -hmm innovation, how can you make sure not only the seamless experience, but you get into this customer experience or feedback loop with not saying yes, no, I love it, mm -hmm. but what are the ideas of the customers, how you can cater for them, but because you, you cannot imagine uh, a lot of the customers have brilliant ideas yeah. and you miss them, even if they're not experts, because they will talk to you, I need this experience, <laughs> you yeah. know. All right. So, so, so it's like a, a 360 relationship with the customers that they're having. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think, a very good um, summary of, um, of what they do. And I, to be honest with you, I haven't seen that in that professional shape or form uh, with others uh, that they do it in the way they do it. It's, it's very, very sophisticated. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for that. Right. Um, well, the next one, you know, timing is everything, so they say. So I'm assuming that that is applicable to developing and implementing an e-commerce platform solution in an organization, or even better still, a country due to culture uh, and or consumer behavior. What do I mean by this? Where am I going with this? It, 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 my question really is, is, to summarize, is when to implement. 
here's an example, food delivery companies um, really taking off in various countries, you know, the, the delivery heroes, Deliveroo, Just Eat, etc. It is a successful model uh, and uh, operating quite well in countries like the UK, Germany, Singapore, US, etc. For entrepreneurs and startups in Switzerland, for example, how can they gauge that the culture shifted sufficiently in order to implement this model? Effectively, how much does a country's culture play into the build and the building of platforms? The country's culture is absolutely key. So for any retail or any other platform, when you enter a market, it's very, very important to understand what the market is like. I mean, it sounds so obvious, mm. uh, but also in the case of Switzerland, we have Delivery Hero, I think something similar. Yeah. So I used it, uh, fresh food delivery, I used it before, mm. but... I thought, okay, I use it, you have the recipe, I just want to test it. And also in times of COVID, it might be very convenient. But you then need to also make sure they work with a lot of feedback, which is great. But in Switzerland, you are very spoiled what the quality of food is, um, because you have really great bio farms, and they were all open during COVID. So you can, if you are not, uh, and we, in Switzerland, we never heard this, that you cannot move from your home. Yeah. Um, so that was also quite different. So you can go there and you can uh, get the really nice, good uh, biological, organic food. And people love food. I mean, I wouldn't say in other countries they don't, but they have a high appreciation for food is one thing. And the other thing, food comes with connections. So also in Switzerland, one is our self-cooking is important. So that would play for this delivery services. Mm -hmm. But as you need high quality, I found in this specific case, and I have provided this feedback, that the quality I get in my organic farm is much, much better. So I would prefer to go there mm. and people take time to go there. So because food is important, because it's all connected to yourself, what you cook and how you live and what you do. And there's uh, less obesity also as in other countries, people live very healthy, mm. they do sports. Um, mm. I think it's not so easy for someone or to enter the food delivery space. Yeah? So I do think if you, there are other um, concepts uh, which work very well, which I have seen in, in Switzerland developing. You have food markets, which were like very new. You also have home delivery, definitely. Mm -hmm. But from food, like I'm a vegan, so from or from shops which which do this and uh, with a tremendous care and love, you can say. Yeah. Yes, and it's, and it's all a bit of a of an experience in Switzerland when you go to the various farms, the various markets to buy these products. It's not just the quality of the products, which is always good, but the experience is what the Swiss likes as well, doing this sort of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, if you go to the bio farm, one of them, um, which is close to my home, it's just amazing because they obviously also do their little ecosystem because they have a coffee shop, uh, they do branches there, they do weddings there. So it's the connection. It's this whole social life which yes. you can have there. And obviously you talk to people there, they're always the same people, they're the owners. 
uh, and they, I mean, you can ask, how is it done? You can see it, it's around you. Mm -hmm. And whilst we love the metaverse, I think we still love also the Swiss verse to, the, <laughs> to a certain extent. Being in the real life and touching and feeling and smelling is so important for us. Yes, yes. and it does help to live in a picturesque country. So yeah. it's a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and, but with all of this, there is the dreaded regulations if you do get set up your platform and if you do, you do have these platforms what is the regulatory nightmare currently and how do you see this expanding as the various platforms mature you mean in general or for yes. the reason yes yeah um i think regulation is a very key topic um, also for consumer protection yeah so what is on one hand is a nightmare and um the the nightmare is also because the regulators react relatively late. Um, so uh, there are questions about data. In Europe, we have uh, GDPR to protect our data. We just saw also now the cookie-less world, as we call it. Uh, there are big questions and there are big cases out there about competition. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, Amazon, Google, Meta, we have all seen that because they are so big here. Yeah? So they also have a certain uh, monopoly, I wouldn't yes. only say certain, I mean, a total monopoly, uh, which is very, very difficult also for, for regulators to, to capture in terms of uh, also what they buy, they do more and more M&A acquisition. That also now relates to the data point and the network effect we have when it all comes together. So there is this famous, which I'm sure you have seen, uh, Netflix, The Social Dilemma, um, how much data gets collected. And it's really, really scary. And all the people who worked for these big companies before, they basically forbid their children to even touch them. So that's, uh, that is probably not the right way, but we need to find ways. And that's a challenge, I think, for, um, for us as also as a society, because we are consumers. So we also have control and we have to keep control. And one of the companies so far, um, or two of companies I really admired for the fact that they have no ads is one is Apple. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, they're charging developers on Arm and Alex, so 30%. So there are also cases around uh, if they charge Epic Games 30%, where is this going? Yeah? Uh, and the other one is Netflix. Why I'm saying so far is because Netflix, because of their poor results, mm -hmm. they're not thinking about inserting ads. And they have, I mean, they have, Netflix has massive, massive data. So if you look at their disclosure, how much data you give, but is again for my experience to improve my experience. So all the series they have are super, super successful. Why? Because they have seen that 80% of the audience will like it in this way. And they can even see, you know, how much and how long and what are the series with uh, the best uh, spikes. <laughs> so you have seen that. Mm -hmm many times now. Uh, the other part Netflix does very well. They're now um, acquiring more and more gaming companies. And again, why did they do that? Because they have realized that TV streaming is probably going away and will be completely replaced by experiences mm -hmm. in what we call the metaverse in gaming and beyond. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's stay with metaverse. It's one of your um, specialist topics. You've mentioned it a couple of times. Let's continue with that and its um, impact and opportunities. Let's look a little still within the retail space. How do you foresee the metaverse enhancing the e-commerce experience? 
I mean, it will be absolutely key. And we already mentioned Nike, how they do this mm -hmm. as an example. But we have also seen uh, Gucci. Um, so Gucci has sold a bag, a virtual bag in the metaverse yeah. for 4,500 US dollar. It was the highest sale of a Gucci bag. Again, you think this is crazy, but they sold it as an NFT. They created a beautiful Gucci garden. They created a whole experience around it. And it was really beautiful done with a lot, which Gucci stands for uh, this, yes. this amazing innovation. Uh, we have seen another one, which is interesting, Balenciaga. Uh, and we do know uh, probably the ones who are a little bit in fashion. Rihanna is one of the... Uh, once even in pregnancy, she has this white coats of Balenciaga. Mm -hmm. And why I'm mentioning this because uh, a similar coat, but not the Rihanna coat, obviously, from Balenciaga was a wearable NFT um, for an avatar. And uh, when they dropped it in, in the game Fortnite, you mm -hmm. could see a spike in engagement. Yeah. So why I'm mentioning this is also because all of these experiences, events in the space, which are done, like the fashion week was done in Decentralized, mm -hmm. then the virtual goods, they will completely change the world and how we live in. And there might be also something very positive about it. Not only if I, I mean, I know a lot of uh, younger guys, which might not be good either, sitting in front of the computers uh, in a pajama, but then they buy this amazing wearables there. Yeah? Uh, parents are already going crazy about it because I met uh, someone for lunch the other day and he told me, you know, it's not, it's not about anymore I buy the latest gadget to play with, it's another place in the virtual world. I need to buy all these wearables with my credit card. This is, this is so costly. And the avatars become, or are already from a psychological point of view, they are your extended self. Mm, um, ego. <laughs> yeah, so that's only part of it. So let's say that that's the fashion. And when you talk about e-commerce, um, so we have seen that Walmart, H&M also is going into the virtual world. So you can basically, which I find is a very positive side, because you can go into the virtual world with your friends. And the nice thing about it, you can try things on and you can see how it is because not uh, only on an avatar, but be, because you have a digital twin, which is there. So it's completely like you. So you can first time explore it. And what the fashion industry can do in the future based on this, they don't have to produce all this rubbish you can say all this extra yes. whatever they produce based on your needs and on top of that because that's possible or tailor-made things will be much cheaper you can be mm. more creative mm. because you can really uh, create your own uh, your own not only on an avatar which we spoke mm. about before but on in reality so from a sustainability point of view you can create yes. Yes customer journeys but also the whole process of production and flow can be much much better catered for in e-commerce apart from the experience in COVID we have already learned we can shop online uh, we can go there and we can uh, do this and finance industry has already reacted to that so MasterCard is offering you on Visa you can go directly in the virtual world and you can like for your shopping experience for your normal Mm -hmm. stuff uh, and you can buy it and 
just also to add on to, to this, because that's all related, this whole world, uh, what Gucci has done on top of what we mentioned before, in the real world, they're also now accepting uh, cryptocurrency. They start in a few shops because more and more people have crypto. So everything comes together. What we know, what's DeFi, Metaverse, is all one world. So you cannot separate. It's not silos. It's, it's platform ecosystem thinking. Mm -hmm. It's an omni experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Omni experience, omni channel. And to yep. your first point, which you mentioned before, yep. it's very important that this experience is in a way seamless. Yes. And one brand, yes, but when I say seamless, it's not in, it, you don't do it in the same way. You cater for where you find the customer. Yeah. So yeah. Apple does this obviously brilliantly again. The customer, not the customer meeting. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, of, one of the things you mentioned, uh, we got in the Gucci bag, sort of got me thinking because I remember we talked in our preliminary conversation about consumers spending more time in the metaverse and perhaps spending um, more actually physically spending more on their virtual selves and their avatars on their real selves. Um, is this something we should be concerned about? Mentally, I don't know. Do you think yeah, um, there is also um, some, that's why I said for good and for bad in a way. Yeah? <laughs> so I like the idea about um, if people want and they can create something for themselves and it does uh, also go with sustainable way of producing that, that I love a lot. Um, then in terms of the avatar and extend itself, I think we have to also be there a little bit critical. Um, and there are also a lot of challenges with that because that goes beyond your digital twin. Mm. Um, you can be whoever you want. That can be good and that can be bad in a way. And do you identify yourself with something you are you are not? So what are the basic principles for that? Can you be a completely different person? So you are, let's say, you have a challenge with your weight and your health. And obviously, in the virtual world, you don't have those challenges. Mm -hmm. Do you lose yes. reality over this? And I think this is a very, very, very big challenge, in particular for the younger generation spending so much time online yeah and we know we spend a lot of time online and it's, it's expected by 2030 70 percent of our time will be spent online so again what we have to think about as as a society and we have to do it together because it affects us our children or everyone are yeah. uh, in where we live and how we live what are the ethical principles we want to implement and live in and it's not only about we have a big government yeah. telling us what to do but it's more about what are the values also in our society and that's something everyone can work on and that's why it's also important we all get very busy with what uh, what it's all about and engage ourselves and also take a step back and think about okay is that good is that bad i don't know have those discussions with other people in that mm -hmm. Dr. Martha Boeckenfeld, uh, such an inspiring individual and, and a, a really great episode today on Heads Talk. Many thanks for your time and insights. Many thanks, Ellen, and to the audience. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you 
for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.